the things that have erupted in violence and a death that has been violence, right? Um, we think of, you know, Breonna Taylor, we think of Floyd, we think of all of these beings, right, who their death was so intensified. And yet it lives within all of us now in a way that will never go away, right? And there's something to that. And you're speaking about Jesus and say, they're not different to me in that way. Right? There's something there in that. And it feels like the ultimate sacrifice in some way. When I talk about love, and it makes me really emotional, but like when I talk about love that I feel from the other side, that is the type of love that I'm talking about. Like a love that we don't even really know. And that to me is like the beacon leading us home. Welcome back to The Sounds of Sand. My name is Michael. Today, I'm in conversation with Ash Canty. They are a death walker and spirit usher psychic medium. And we discuss their journey and near-death experience, their work with Alua Arthur and the Going With Grace program, our death-phobic culture, and the ways listening in the liminal space between death and what's beyond all today on The Sounds of Sand, presented by Science and Non-Duality. Welcome to Science and Non-Duality. What is non-duality? The universal forces. It's the collective consciousness. Being aware. Trauma is not the external event that happens. Trauma is the impact of that event, which is the disconnection from ourselves. That matter is energy. Energy is matter. That's what EMC squared is about. There's a language without nouns. There is a language without subjugation. There's a language without objectifying. But if it's recorded, then we there is a collapse. But if it's not, then it's the infinite potentiality. Okay, I'm here with Ash Kanti. Thank you so much for uh, being on the Sounds of Sand. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, so there's so much interesting work and places I think we can go talking about things I've been reading on your website and listening to a bit of your own podcast, uh, which we'll talk about. Uh, but I'm, I'm sort of curious about your journey and how you you came to inhabit the the spaces that you work and play and explore in now yeah thank you um thank you for that invitation i know we could go so many places <laughs> yeah. and um where to start where to begin um and yeah i i am many things and <laughs> I'm, I'm in many worlds as a psychic medium um as a death guide as an integration coach for psychedelics, so many things. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I should start from the seed of how I even got into these places. Um, and it's a story. It's a long story, but I'm going to give you just, you know, the nugget of it or whatever comes. Um, I, about in, in 2020 is when it all started for me. Um, and prior to that, actually in 2019 is when I started uh, getting really odd illnesses one after the other. And it was out of nowhere. Um, and at first I just thought, well, it's a cold, it's a flu, it's a, all these different things. But it kept happening pretty like monthly. And all these other mysterious things started happening with my body, unknown. Um, and it really, uh, became to the point where I had to stop working. Um, I, I couldn't go anywhere and my health like rapidly started to deteriorate and I had no answers and doctors didn't have answers. Um, they couldn't figure out what was happening. And so, um, I like to say that how I like to describe what happened to me was that I started to go into this place of um, what felt like sort of long haul COVID, <laughs> which is what we call this now, which is very interesting. Um, right. Because at the time I didn't know what was happening to me, but I couldn't uh, stand up without feeling like I was going to pass out. I couldn't breathe correctly. I couldn't carry on a conversation like we're having now. Um, it was very, very difficult. And 
I had all these different things start to, to happen in my body. Um, I had uh, horrible insomnia and, and bloating, and I, I couldn't figure out what was happening. And at the same time, I could feel something else was also at hand, um, but I didn't know what. Um, and at that time, I was very much in the physicalness of the experience. Um, and it was about, a, I'd say, a year and a half in to being severely ill that I was diagnosed with precancerous polyps in my colon, um, fibroids the size of lemons that were impacting my internal organs and uh, pushing on my bladder, actually. And I was having all these bladder issues, and I didn't know why, and that was why. They were growing so big that they were impacting me. And all of it happening at once, it was indescribable. Um, and I could feel this quickening happening. And my partner, who's amazing, um, she was with me the whole time. And, I mean, we all know how frightening it can be to watch our loved one go through something that we have no idea what's happening. Um, and it's happening so quickly. And so uh, we really navigated um, what felt like an endless cycle of being hospitalized, ER visits, um, calling 911. I mean, I was constantly on the edge all the time. And at that point in the journey about a year and a half in, I happened to be sitting down um, doing nothing. <laughs> I was laying in bed, seemingly watching another movie that I'd watched for the 80th time. Um, and I, at that point, had had a, an IV in my arm that was uh, part of my PICC line, which is a PICC line that goes through your arm and delivers fluids on the regular. So I had that every day. Um, and I had a port in my chest also. Um, and that was the only thing that was going to help me kind of keep going each day. And I remember sitting there and I all of a sudden stopped hearing. I couldn't hear from my ears. The sound completely started to fall away and my partner was talking and it was like an echo chamber. And I, I said, hello, what? I, I can't hear you. And it just went to a quiet. And then at the same time, my body, my heart rate picked up to about 175. And we had an oximeter at the time because my health was all over the place. So we put that on and it was just increasingly up to 175. And I just, I couldn't breathe. I couldn't catch my breath. Um, I don't even know that the best I can describe it is like a heart attack. Um, the nausea, the trembling, the tremors. And I just fell back on the bed. And at that moment, I now know in the work that I do what was happening. But at the time, I just thought I was dying. Um, and I could feel the separation of my spirit. And I could feel my body at the same time. And it was like two different experiences. And I just remember turning to my beautiful partner. And it still makes me emotional because I just looked at her and I thought I couldn't say anything but I could feel like I might not make this time. Yeah. And that, something in that moment shifted everything for me. And I went to bed that night. I couldn't get up, actually. I, I, every time I got up again, we called, you know, the emergency line. They said just to lay down the rest of the night. Don't get up and come in the morning. So I couldn't get up. And I've never been so uncertain in my body before. I couldn't trust my feet, my hands, my arms, my legs. And I laid there and I just said, like, if this is it, like, I will go. You know, I, I made peace with that. And I went to sleep that night and I had this extremely powerful dream where I woke up and I was in this desert and there was this black sky above me and these black trees. They were black, like not burnt, but they were just beautifully black, spiraling up in this gnarly way. 
And I was like, where am I? And I looked around and I saw these beings and they were doing this, this rhythm of digging up these glass balls in the sand. And these balls were like filled with light. Hmm. And I thought, okay, like, I don't know what is happening right now, but okay, great. And they said, keep going, keep digging. You have to keep digging. She's coming. And I said, she's coming. Like, who's coming? (laughs) And I looked up at the night sky and I felt this energy, this presence come through the sky and stand in front of me. And I saw my grandmother and I just wept. I just wept. I didn't have words. I felt frozen in time. And I looked at her and I said, what are you doing here? Like, and she said, this is the work you're going to do. You're going to help people <laughs> cross over. And I said, okay. Like, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> um, I'm a little skeptical. What's happening? And she kissed me on my cheek. And I woke up. And as soon as I woke up, I thought, wow, that was really real. Like, it felt so intense to me. Mm-hmm. And we got a call that day or the next day that my grandmother had passed that night. Oh, my God. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, man, I'm having chills hearing this, hearing you tell this story. That's. Yeah. Wow. That was my initiation into this work and yeah it was awake and awakening on a, another level and um yeah i i took it to heart i didn't understand it but i i heard her and from that day i had always kind of felt her but i i hear her so clearly from that experience and her guidance was very clear she said you're going to do this mediumship work and the more you do it, the more you will heal. And I was very skeptical. I had been in hospitals for years. I was hanging on by a thread, but I said, what do I have to lose? Sure. And about six months, I think later, I was completely uh, healed and not needing any treatment. Wow. Hmm. That's such a powerful story of, of transformation. It's it's so mythical. You know, it sounds like something you would hear from the deep, you know, ancestors would tell us a story of how the death walkers were chosen and they, you know, at the balls of light and the black desert. Hmm. And, and do, you, do you feel as though it was some form of like, not a, maybe a near death experience, but like you, you were kind of peeking over the veil of the end of your bodily consciousness. Definitely. Um, It's so funny when I think about where I was, I wouldn't have thought about any of this, you know, and now in the work I do and what's been revealed to my, you know, from my own guides, from my ancestors, um, is that that was uh, the experience. It was very much sort of this choice. Um, and, and also this illness was a way of being able to go into that in-between state and to experience this other realm, which I now call the ancestor realm and, um, and have actually looked up, which is a little fascinating. I did a little research after and realized that this is actually a real place that my ancestors from West Africa had lived and I didn't know. Um, and so it, yeah, the connection was, I almost fell over when I saw this image in National Geographic. <laughs> like, yeah. what? This is real. Um, oh it's, I think it's called Nyambia in Africa. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it really, it, it, it allowed me to be in both realms, and I've never been fully back just in the physical, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, it's like your body was so at the end, you know, it was it was basically dying yeah. from what it sounds yeah. like. Yeah. And uh yeah, that's the the you know, it reminds me of of um 
of a caterpillar and, and a butterfly. It's like once once you make that leap out to be the butterfly, there's no going back to being just the, the caterpillar anymore. Yes, yes, that's exactly what it felt like. Um, there was no uh, <laughs> there was no other way forward, and even the way that I was living my life previous to that was not working. Um, it was not in alignment to the service that I was here to do. And I didn't even know that, you know, I'm sure obviously on a spiritual level, my spirit knew that (laughs) it was like, all right, we got work to do. (laughs) Um, But I needed that sort of um, awakening in that way to uh, finally get it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's what's so beautiful too, because we think of the word awakening as enlightenment, as this absolutely positive, you know, glowing, euphoric experience. But the way you experienced it was almost like sinking through the depths of hell. <laughs> and then finding finding your awakening in the, you know, darkest of darkest, you know, yeah. energies of, of, uh, of death. And then yeah. the, the glowing balls of light that you're describing in your dream too. That's, that's such a beautiful image. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, that's exactly right. I mean, I'm laughing now and smiling because... It was so painful, and I believe yeah. like the depths of my suffering are also the depths of my joy and mm-hmm. the appreciation that I have for living when I had everything ripped away so quickly and where, I mean, I lost 90 pounds. I was, um, I was a shell of myself, mm-hmm. and uh, I think when you go through something like a near-death experience and or an illness or whatever, um, it changes you. I, I don't think it cannot. And for me, it, it made me truly feel uh, the gift it is to be alive. And it makes me cry just thinking about it because even in the depths of that place, I found meaning. And that is something that I will carry with me that has so much wealth and abundance in it. I'm grateful for that. that you're doing now as a, as a death walker and, you know, the amount of compassion and openness and empathy mm-hmm. that one must have when working with people who are at the end of their lives and in, in a lot of fear and a lot of pain, what you, what you've experienced allows you to, to, to meet people where they are in that experience because it's an authentic felt thing for you. You remember and you, you feel it in your body what it was like to be in those, in that fear of just not knowing what's going on. You know, I've never, you know, I've never felt anything like this before. What's actually happening to me? Yeah. Yeah. It prepared me in ways that I didn't know that I was being prepared. Um, mm-hmm. And in ways now that I'm so grateful because being with people in their dying process is stepping into the great unknown Mm. and staying there. And I have an ability and a skill to stay there and, and really be with people in that place and be like, I don't know either. Right. And I'm like, it's okay. And all the things that you said, you know, people are, are afraid or, or they have regret or um, all these very human things that come up and, and not knowing what happens after, not knowing what's going to come and, and being with that or not having said the things they wanted to say or do the things they wanted to do and all of a sudden they can't because of where their body's at now. Um, I know all of that very well. And there's anger and rage and, you know, all of these things that are also a part of it. And it's messy. And I think that's something that I'm passionate about is 
dismantling the the perfectionism or the mm-hmm. and then you can and, and like sometimes it can be that way right like great like a peaceful death and we can ah. <laughs> and I find when you have loved and when you have lived and you still have things that you uh really love here it is hard to let go it's hard and that's there's a beauty in that there's a beauty in that too that's messy and all over the place and it's okay so I think in that I because I give that grace to myself that's something that I can give to my clients when I'm working with them and when they're in the depths of the darkness and they don't see a way out um, I just am like, okay, let's get candles and sit together. You know, hmm. this is this is it. Yeah. yeah. And I love the 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 phrase that you used, uh, "death walker." You know, because yeah. so often death, in our, especially in our Western society, is such a lonely practice, such a lonely experience, and so just having that image of someone's going to you know, take my hand and just, just walk with me for a little bit and it's, it's going to be okay. It just makes, it makes me feel okay. And I hope when I'm ready to go, someone's there to walk with me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I I think, you know, it's really missing in the Western culture of even, I mean, talking about death, you know, I have some clients who have never talked about it before Mm -hmm. and um, it's, it's really wild because we all do it. Someone, yeah. No one is uh, is uh, gonna like get free from that, you know. And um, it's a very organic process, and and I think a lot of it is um, people who are dying. I find want to be also heard, and want to be drawn out, and want to be asked questions, and actually want to have you ask like, "How is your grief today? How is it to be dying right now?" And some of us might be like, whoa, that's so vulnerable. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I, but actually, I find that they want to go right into what's happening because they can't escape it. They can't uh, numb it out. They can't avoid it. It's happening in their present. Um, and so I, yeah, I feel it's a great honor to be able to walk with people wherever they're at. And each person is really different, you know, Um yeah. And what they need is really different, you know, mm-hmm. but I like to just listen a lot and, mm-hmm. and learn a lot from the people that I work with and, and how they die and the gifts of their dying, which there are so many gifts, you know, and when we're conscious and we're aware of the process, it can be a gift that a whole family can receive. Um, and generations can pass on. I mean, it's, it's I think, uh, a very beautiful act. Um, and it can be held in ways, even when it's abrupt, even when mm-hmm. it's quick, even when it's violent. Um, there's a way that our bodies are designed and programmed to be able to be with the death, uh, to process it and to somatically integrate it into our lives. I love this um, this space of listening that you're describing because I've d- done some hospice work myself, but I've did this program called Music for Healing and Transition Program, wow. and it's it's providing therapeutic music for um, people in hospice. Yeah. So, yeah, it was it was very beautiful, and I, I kind of had to do a different listening because um, I didn't really verbally interact with the people. I would just introduce myself you know, and say, would you like me to play some music for you today? Sometimes they were just asleep um, Mm -hmm. and didn't respond. So I would just come in and play for, for a couple of minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But I was, you know, listening to their, to their bodies and the the state that they were in kind of watching their breath and if, how they reacted to the music and adjusting it accordingly. Um, But this idea of, of being in communication to, to, to kind of find out how aware people are of, of, you know, what they're going through is, is something I'm very interested in because I've never experienced that. Yeah. I mean, that's so beautiful. I have to say like the, the music, the sound that's so powerful at the end of life. Yeah. And, 
Um, Also, like, amazing that the way that you drop in and listen and attune, attune the tune (laughs) to them. And that is, like, that's the nuance there because everyone is different. And I find at the end of life, sound is very sensitive. And so some people can, you know, really want like a big overcoming sound and some it's like just a little, right? And it affects like they're so sensitive because they're starting to separate. Um, so I think, yeah, I just, I, I just saw that image and I was like, wow, yes, <laughs> it's so important and we need more of that too. Um, and yeah, I think it's important in, in part of the listening is what is also in the room right now? know what is in the fullness of the stillness and the silence um that i find is there's so much you know and to be with someone in just their tears and they're crying Mm -hmm. you know and not rush for words um Mm -hmm. that's something that i feel is is really important to be with And so your work, is that mostly at hospice centers or is it more in home or is it a mix? It's a mix right now. Um, just starting mm-hmm. to open back up into person with 2020. There were so many different right. rules and regulations um, for everywhere. <clears throat> and now um, I do a lot of virtual care actually as well. Um, folks who are all over the world um, and wanting to be able, you know, both live I say we all dying I love when people are like well I'm not dying yet I'm like I think we're all composting you know like it's <laughs> true it's true at different rates and levels but yep we're not like you know we're we're going in um but I like to say that um some people want to go into this work now you know while they're they don't have a terminal illness or anything going on but they're curious about deepening um and so we do death coaching um and then people who are actively dying, who, who want to be able to process um, what they're feeling, what they're experiencing. And some of them want to go into legacy, like, well, I want to do this project. And so I'll help them, you know, create, create, create and craft whatever it is they want to create to give to their oh, loved sorry. ones. Yeah. Right. Um, it really is dependent, you know, for some people having that uh, project or thing created helps them let go helps them relax um and for others uh being able to speak to someone they didn't get to say something to is also something that might be needed or some wanna they wanna i call it a death death birthday um and i've thrown myself actually one of these and they're pretty amazing but a chance to be able to get together now while we're alive everyone we love and we gather around and we share our favorite memory with this person. And, um, and we can make it, say a poem or do a dance or do a song. And I had this in my own when I actually came out of my near-death experience. And I felt so alive. <laughs> I felt that I could die the next day and I would be so fine. Um, so some people want that. They want to feel that they're loved. And that they will be missed. And mm-hmm. some people just want that experience now to be in their aliveness now and in their life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So pe- people come to the party and they, they speak about you as if you're not there? Like like what what it would be like at your yeah. death party? Yeah, it varies. Um, some people mm-hmm. really, uh, it, the intention is just to share, um, right, as if this were the last as if there, this was the final time we would see each other. And, you know, it's a really beautiful process. We usually send out little invitations and preparations and, you know, things for people to bring a, the candle that everyone gets sent out in the mail. And it's a whole ritual. And mm-hmm. I find that even those who are like, oh, I don't know, um, are curious. And they fully show up and want to come and be a part of it. And then they go, wait, I want this for myself. Like... <laughs> I didn't know life could feel this way. And the invitation is that this is a way of being, um, that we can say how much we love someone, that we can share uh, how much we appreciate something they did or a story. 
um, because we really don't know, right? The illusion is that we have time. We don't. And I uh, for sure feel that, you know, every second I'm telling uh, loved ones and my partner, I really love you. I see you. Mm. You're so beautiful. I'm so grateful, you know, like. I love when you do that thing, like, and I just cry. (laughs) And people are like, what is going on? You know, really? Yeah. (laughs) Really, you know? And they're like, oh, okay, well, (laughs) you're not going to die. I'm like, we don't know that, right? Right. Yeah. It sounds like such a radical um, act of gratitude, you know, because it's, we can have gratitude, you know, I can have gratitude for my cup of tea. But I, at the back of my mind, I'm like, yeah, I'm grateful for this, but I can always just go make another one. It's, the kitchen's just through there. <laughs> but if we actually see the impermanence, see the ephemerality of everything that's precious to us, that yeah, our loved ones could die tonight in their sleep or something tragic can happen, then you know, this, this, this death party sounds like a really great practice of, of extreme gratitude of just like, if you weren't here, this is how I'd want to say it how I love you. Yeah. It, it brings us into the present moment and what's and it reminds us of what's important here. What is important is actually very simple things, right? And there's so much distraction around it. And in fact, when I'm, you know, the other work I do in my psychic mediumship is readings and mm-hmm. I have, um, you know, spirits come through me who are deceased loved ones and they get to have a conversation through me. Um, and when I get the privilege and the honor of feeling these spirits come through and hearing what they're speaking about from what I call the other side, it is fascinating what wisdom they bring through in that way of what's important. And then they show me, I've seen over a thousand ways people have died. And let me tell you, <laughs> when they show me their death and take me through their death, it's some of them, it's so random. It's mostly very random. There are some mm-hmm. that are long and from a terminal illness and they've had time. And some literally leave the house and don't come back. Um, and we just don't know. And when I've, I think... I can't help but be changed by that when I've been through so many, um, what feels like almost hard to describe their life force coming through my body of how they lived and then how they died. It just, it's not on me that um, this is a gift and every moment matters and we don't know at any time and it's not always the time that we want. Yeah. And it seems that this perspective of deep time, you know, that you're connecting with the, the ancient ancestors of the imagery from West Africa and your grandmother and the people, like it really highlights just how short and precious our times and our, the time in our body is, you know, it's like a very, a very quick thing. <laughs> it's a blip, you know, whenever I talk to spirits, um, <laughs> they'll always say like just enjoy it it's gonna go fast you know it's a blip right. ash like they show me this infinite timeline and then they show me mm-hmm. the human one here on earth and I'm like oh <laughs> there's other things outside of this and like yes there's a lot of different things happening in a lot of different realms and I think that's hard to even wrap the mind and the brain around um, and it, it's hard for me even when I see these things that they're showing me. I don't even understand them. Um, they're so sort of like quantum field <laughs> level. Yeah. And yeah, it's yeah. exciting because it feels like, wow, yeah, this isn't the only, of course not. And there's so much more um, that we get to inhabit and experience in different forms. I love this um, this inquiry, this this line of inquiry into an expansion of of non duality, because you know the, the group sand science and non duality. It's just you know it, 
it started in Aveta Vedanta and the sort of classical spiritual concept of non-duality. But as the years go by, there's there's an inclusivity in different ideas of non-duality. Mm-hmm. And your work kind of in this liminal point of the end of life and then going into the transition into whatever is after this life is very interesting for me that, that you're sort of holding space for that continuum. Um, some people may be on you know, just on the spirit side, some people on the near death side, but that you're able to connect with um, the totality of end of life. So there's the end of this bodily life and then the beginning of the next life. (laughs) And have you had connections with, with folks that you were death walking with? And then once they get to be on the other side, they're still in touch with you? Yes, that's a really awesome question. And I find that there's, you know, yes and dot, 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 um, always. And I always speak in paradox. I always speak in like a thousand answers at once because that is literally what I find the more that I do this work. Um, I find that there is not, and again, not for every death, but for the deaths that I've experienced, there's a time period where I cannot connect with them and I can't Mm -hmm. contact them and there's not a connection yet. And I kind of, at this point, because I've seen it so many times, um, think of it as like the acclimation (laughs) time um, where they're getting acclimated to a different form and returning to and all of these things. Um, And it's not the time. Um, And in fact, when people have come to me and someone had just passed away and they wanted a reading, We've done it, and what's happened is that they're really far away. Um, I can feel them, but they're not very close. Um, and I'll say, you know, let's come back in like six months or seven months, whatever whatever I get a feeling of. And then they'll come back, and they're like right here, and they're ready to come through. And they'll come through and validate with very specific details and things of their life and things I would have no idea. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um And I find that interesting. I find that interesting that there's this time but no time where um, they're sort of far out and then come back in. And so I think there's a a period of that. And there are also occurrences where I felt, you know, people that I've crossed over come very close and say, hey, (laughs) I'm here. (laughs) You know, this, this is what I found out. And I get excited about that, especially if um, we're in close relationship and the con- the relationship just continues in a different form. Um, and it, it, I, I feel the grief of, of losing this being, of course, and, and the grief also praising their life. But there's something else that happens then, and we get to continue in a different way. And the dialogue, so to speak, continues in a different way. Um, and I think that's just fascinating in so many levels and layers. And um, yeah, so I I find it uh, very interesting to be able to communicate um, before, like you said, at the threshold of death and then continue that conversation onwards. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it almost reminds me of... um I guess like an obstetrician is that the, is that the right medical term? The prenatal doctor, yeah. and then they become the the um, when the when the baby is born, the pediatrician. Yeah. It's like I knew you before, and now I know you as a young a young person. It's kind of a similar relationship. Yes, yes, yeah. It's very incredible. Yeah. I guess usually it's one or the other, like you said, and somehow I've you know, (laughs) I'm here to serve in both, which is interesting. Um, It keeps me again in that duality of this physical and then the beyond. Um, I'm never not in both realms. And so Mm -hmm. that for me is very layered in the experience of being here. Um, I see death differently and grief differently. And um, I have compassion for the human experience of needing to grieve um, and, and the importance of that for the body and the mind. And because I know we continue on, um, there's not a fear around death in the same way that it is present for other people. 
And I realize that the oddity of that sometimes um, right. will come through. No, yeah, we live in a death phobic culture, yeah. you know, and, and it, it manifests obviously in the, in the way we treat elders yeah. in our, in our culture, you know, I'm speaking in the United States and parts of North America yeah. and, and Europe that we, you know, keep people hidden away once they get old yeah. and the way we glamorize youth and beauty as, you know, and the, the so-called heroes, <laughs> the, the billionaire tech bros who are trying to pretend that they're going to live forever yeah. through gene manipulation and going to going Mars, to Mars living to 110. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's just, it's insanity. And, mm. and, um, mm. what you're doing is, is sane, but it's like you said, it's seen as, as odd and different. <laughs> yeah. And I think the, the valuing of what you're saying of, mm, and this is complex, but the breath of life, right? Some people think, um, well, if someone didn't live to 110, they didn't live a good life. And I have very, and I know this is like very controversial, but I have experiences, many experiences of beings who had a very short life here. I've had children, um, babies come through in readings to speak to their parent, um, and communicate what they learned here and how long it felt because time isn't the same as how we think about right. it. And, you know, when that comes through every time, usually the person's like, I know, I knew that. I knew that on some right. level, you yeah. know, and the emphasis isn't on how much life, right? Sometimes it's, right. it's different and it's for many reasons. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's often a, a mindset. It's like a video game or something. Like we have to keep the game going as long as possible, no matter no matter the quality. But yeah, when you talk about this timeless realm of the of the spirit, it's like it doesn't it doesn't matter so much. You know, eighty years or eight years, it's really it's like an imperceptible difference when you're talking about it from the formless, the, the timeless, the the one, you know, this, this ultimate non-duality yeah. that we all came from and we're all going back. Yeah. To. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's fascinating. And I think there's, there's spirits that have come through, have said that I, you know, I didn't want to be in the state I was in. So I left, I left. Mm -hmm. And so there's some sort of choice that I'm finding in, in these. And then there's times where you know, I hear um, I stayed because I was learning this and this is what I needed to learn or the way that I went out will impact the entire world in, in the, the death and the violence of the way that I went out. And that was part of why I came. And like, these are difficult things to say, right? And bring up and bring through and grieve people who are grieving and, and losing a loved one. And I sit with this duality <laughs> constantly because mm -hmm. this is what they're bringing through. And that I'm also compassionate and holding this way of being with the grief of death itself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's like you said earlier, the, you, you have to speak in paradoxes when you're sort of touching into these truths of all life is precious <laughs> and all death is precious. And both of those are true at the same time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And I love I love your your laugh too. That, that you laugh at these things. No, it, you know it reminds me of like the Dalai Lama or something. Like he's always laughing, and I think that's a sign of of getting it, of of being in touch with something deeper. That mm -hmm. um, yeah, talking about it is is just funny because it's like we're you know it's like it's like babies talking about. Um, you know, advanced physics or something like that. Like they would use really funny, funny languages and funny symbolism. So that's what we're doing. We're talking about something that's yeah. far beyond our, our ability to verbalize and conceptualize. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and there's, you know, there's a, there's a great cosmic humor to it all. And yeah. I get that. I understand that, you know, um, yes, it's, it's serious. And, and it's yeah. also part of it. And we also love it, right? 
there's this interesting thing of even the, the dramaticness of my experience of awakening, right? Um, mm-hmm. I look back and me knowing my spirit and myself, I loved that. I loved that. I wanted that. Yes, mm-hmm. I wanted to experience it that way, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? And if you had said that to me in the moment, I would have been like, excuse me, <laughs> you better, better go away, okay? But this was really part of the experience I wanted to have here. And I know that. I know that in every fiber of my bone. And that also is another, you know, wormhole of paradoxes of thinking about the choosing of things and why. Um, And sometimes we don't know, right, until we're on the other side and it all becomes very clear. Like, oh, yes, of course, we remember. But I find that very interesting, you know, that also comes into play as well. Yeah. 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 The, you know, another one of these imponderable things is kind of karma. And it sounds like almost a little bit like you were accepting that the only way that I'm going to become the person I am is to go through this really traumatic, painful experience, you know, and it's just, and, and like you said, in the moment, you can't accept it. You can't believe it. it it's, you just have to go through it and, and 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 be in the humanness of it, you know. And I think that there's a there's a profoundness and a spiritualness in that. I think that often gets missed. I hear, you know, a lot of my clients will be like, "Well, I I just want to get to like the spiritual side," <laughs> and I'm like, "You're in it." <laughs> you know, the, the human experience can be extremely spiritual and humbling and awakening. Yeah if we allow it to be and if we slow down enough to take that in and in those moments of being in the human is actually was the biggest spiritual experience of my life right yeah. and it wasn't the opposite i wasn't lighting a million candles i wasn't um lighting the same like yes those are wonderful i still do them now right but they're not the thing right it's not the thing they're just things to remind us of the thing inside of us oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. For you, the thing was the IV needle and the port and your partner being there going through all this pain and anguish with you. That was the, that was the spiritual experience. thousand percent. And the healing that took yeah. place in that, yeah. beyond. Mm-hmm. I healed so much trauma. I actually did, I thought about this the other day at that time. At the same time, I was doing uh, shadow work. I was mm-hmm. uh, facing some stuff in myself that I was not happy with. I was like, where is this coming from? From my father, from my mother, from literally everything was coming out of my body. And so, yes, all of that was part of the spiritual experience. Now, if you've seen it, you're saying, ooh, it's grotesque. It's kind of, ooh, yes, that's exactly it, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, no, and it's what's coming to mind now is kind of strange, but I'm thinking about, Mm. you know, Jesus being murdered, you know, being whipped and murdered and nailed to a cross. And if, if aliens came down and saw that, they'd be like, oh my God, this is horrible. I'd be like, no, actually, this is the birth of all religion. That's going to be like one of the biggest religions ever. This is, people are going to memorialize this and, you know, think about it and talk about it forever. Right, which was born out of ex- extreme violence and suffering, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and, and again, it's like, you know, maybe in a time where we don't exist, clearly, but in a time where we don't exist anymore, there will be a time where there won't have to be this extremeness or this violence or this, I don't know, maybe not, but maybe, and maybe it'll take a different form. But if we look back, literally, even even in recent uh, times, the things that have erupted in violence and a death that has been violence, right? Um, we think of, you know, Breonna Taylor, we think of Floyd, we think of all of these beings, right, who their death was so intensified. And yet it lives within all of us now in a way that will never go away, right? And there's something to that. And you speaking about Jesus and say, they're not different to me in that Hey, no, right? yeah, There's something exactly. there in that. And it feels yeah. like the ultimate sacrifice in some way. And that is the, the, when I talk about love and it makes me really emotional, but like when I talk about love that I feel from the other side, that is the type of love that I'm talking about. Like a love that we don't even really know. 
that is like, like, yes, I will do that. Yes, I will come and I will do that. And that to me is like the beacon leading us home. Yeah, it's beautiful. (laughs) Yeah, with with George Floyd, you know, it's like we, his last words, I can't breathe, you know, that breath is spirit, you know, and I feel like that that can be a mantra, you know, and and it can't be forgotten. Just breath is life, breath is life. And to, to, to take that from somebody is yes. the, the most hor- horrible of hard sins, yes. you know. Yes. I mean, it, every time I take a breath, I think of George Floyd, yeah. you know. I can't help yeah. but have that there and be in that remind- reminder and remembrance of him. And not only him, it's like what he gave in his dying and his death, Right. And that's not to discredit the way that he died, which is completely inhuman and not okay Mm -hmm. and not from an integrated being, right? If we're in our aligned selves, even thinking about something like that would be unbelievable, you know? And so the fact that it happens and has happened and continues to happen really shows us where where we are collectively, right? That that would even be a thing that would be possible to bring into fruition into this reality. Um, And that to me is like the work, right? How do we come back to integration alignment? How do we remember? There's a remembering that's lost. And a lot of my work, a lot of it is revolving around taking people back to their remembering of their spirit, of the love, right? And allowing that to be there and allowing that to open. Yeah. 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 That, that word remembering is really resonating with me because often in spiritual teachings, it's, there's this misconception that we need to find something external. You know, we need to learn some, some, uh, you know, truth from ancient India (laughs) or, you know, a modern guru or whatever external and bring it in, but it's just remembering our true nature. It's just remembering that innocence, yeah. that, that beauty that we were born with that was there and then slowly gets extinguished yeah. through conditioning and society and parenting and yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, trauma, pain, suffering, all these like very human experiences that we're all going to experience here. Right. Yeah. And it's not a bad thing if we, forget you know i always say that too people like i forgot i forgot for so long it's never too late and it's okay right like everything in the western culture makes us forget and there's Mm -hmm. a reason behind that right like definitely when we forget or we're distracted we're kind of just looping and when we step away from that we're like whoa there is a lot going on in myself and in the other beings around me that i can feel now and i think that's a big part of it is like, what is it to step away um, from the noise, I like to call it, and step into ourselves, you know, and there's many ways, of course, to do this. But even, you know, I go on like weeks of silence, because I'm a nut, and I love it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I actually find uh, just so such replenishment in it. But I welcome people into that for a day, just a day Mm -hmm. to see what is here when I remove things? And people are like, I could not stop crying. Um, mm-hmm. I just wanted to sleep. I'm so tired. Yeah. That's a very right? long, long sleep. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've been on a lot of long, silent retreats too. Yeah. And it happens to me too. I got to sleep for like four days straight just to be quiet. Yeah, <laughs> just to empty. I call it the emptying yeah. time, right? Got to empty out and then I can like <gasps> feel myself and I can feel... <gasps> the nature and the trees and the beings and the plants again. And, and I can, like you said, come back to that little being inside of me who was born into this realm and was very connected and remembered, remembered everything. Right. And, you know, a lot of uh, the work of um, this program I have liberate your soul is being able to remember back that being and bringing that being back in and, and allowing them to sort of guide us. Uh, and be in wonder and awe again and have it feel safe because it is challenging in this world at this time to be in the state of wonder and awe and also be protected, right? Also feel like we can be in that place. 
Um, and yet that is the way forward, I feel like, the way of how we move past this mind, which is beautiful, but how we get into the body, the heart, and start shifting our focus, right? Um, I feel like that's so important in the times we are in. Um, and getting back, I, f- I can feel this coming time of like simplicity and coming back mm. to very simple ways of being. And, you know, we can see even the climate um, collapsing and shifting in so many ways that are going to bring us into that simplicity very quickly. Yeah. Whether we're ready or not. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 There's uh, so much wisdom in what you're saying, you know, we're, we're on video. And if I was just hearing your voice, I would think you're, you know, a very old, old person <laughs> with that, the amount of wisdom you're speaking with, but I can see you're very young. So I'm very impressed, you know, but of course I, I meet old people who are very young and ignorant too. So I guess it goes both ways. <laughs> you just happen to be the opposite. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah. You know, I think I speak as myself. I also speak and allow the ancestors to come through and my grandmother mm-hmm. and, and my, my grandfather. It. Yeah. They have a lot of wisdom that is beyond me. And um, I always allow them to speak in these sort of settings as well and bringing the, their voices in and bringing the, the wisdom of the earth into the space as well. What, what were their names, if you don't mind sharing? Yeah, uh, my grandma, Grandma Ida Canty, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. my grandpa Canty, uh, yeah, they they both uh, were married forever. And mm-hmm. um, they actually, my grandfather initiated me first into this work, and I didn't know it bef- way before I got sick. And my grandmother was the one who met me when she crossed to right. finish it up. <laughs> I like to say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she, she held your graduation. That's somewhere. right. Yeah, that's right. And in fact, it makes sense. Uh, before, when I last saw her in person, she said, I need to see you. I need to see you one more time. And I'll never forget that. And then I got to see her just in a different form one more time. I just want to let people know about, about how they can get in touch with you yeah. and, and if they're interested in connecting with you in the work that you of do. Course. I yes, I do death coaching, one-to-one death coaching, um, and I run a program called Liberate Your Soul, which is a three-month. Yeah, okay, yeah, it's a three-month um, immersive program where we really connect with the mind, the body, and the soul, and what it is to actually build relationship mm-hmm. and dialogue with these with these parts of ourselves, and then um, opening up into our gifts and spiritual abilities. Um, so it's a, yeah, it's a very powerful program. And I think I offer it to people who are really ready um, as it tends to shift things quite quickly for people. And um, so that's, yeah, you can find out more about that um, on my website at SovereignSpiritMedium.com or on my Instagram where everything lives these days is at the Sovereign Spirit Medium. Um, and yeah, I also have the newsletter folks can join to get you know, more information and find out more. And currently readings are booked out for the year, <laughs> but um, there's a wait list. Uh, and if folks uh, want to be able to put on that wait list, that's also on my Instagram. Awesome. Nice. And the podcast too, right? You have a podcast. Yes. <laughs> so many things. Um, uh, yeah. I have a podcast on Spotify, uh, the Sovereign Spirit Medium podcast. And, um, yeah, I do episodes every week on mm-hmm. different things and have guests on coming up. So, um, yeah, feel free to check that out as well. Nice. All right, Ash, thank you so much. This has been a, a more fantastic journey than I thought it would be. So it's been really <laughs> beautiful to hear the, uh, the weaving of pain and joy and transcendent spiritualism with very real gritty life and death stuff. <laughs> and, um, mm-hmm. uh, Yeah, it was beautiful to have you here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for carving out this time. And again, I just feel honored to be with you in this space and time at this moment. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening to The Sounds of Sand. 
We invite you to explore more of our talks, dialogues, videos, articles, events, and offerings through our website, scienceandnonduality.com. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please consider becoming a member to access our massive library of SAN content, available exclusively to SAN members. And we would love it if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google, and Spotify. And share this episode with your family, friends, and all sentient beings. Be well.